0: Welcome to the Think and Learn Smarter Experience. Here I'll sit down with people from all walks of life and talk with them about experiences that have shaped them. Everyone learns from their own experiences, but the best learn from the experiences of others. Now, let's get into it. Now there was a time so. so today I'm with Jack Havana Jack's a pharmacist, resiliency coach, hosted the only human podcast and a lot more as well he's even had his own documentary breaking boundaries made about him jack thanks for coming on it's great to have a fellow clungus lad on for the first time what are you getting up to these days yourself
1: what am i getting up to these days that is a great question uh connell and first of all thanks Mill for having me i'm delighted to be here um and yeah it is lovely to have a chat with uh with a fellow clown man uh <laughs> so what am I up to these days? As, as you kind of mentioned, I'm doing a host of different things. And um, so this is the question that that stumps me is how to how to easily describe it. And um, so I'm wearing a couple of different hats. As you said, I'm a health professional. I, I studied pharmacy. Um, then I started I had a, a bit of a, a life change uh, moment in my in my college years where I had a spinal cord injury, but I'm sure we'll get into a little bit about that. Um, And so after that, a couple of things started to emerge. When I got back to college, um, I started to do a little bit of speaking work. I started to get interested in in sort of uh, personal development work for myself. First of all, just to cope and and to figure out uh, who I was and who I am and the things that matter to me and to work through some of the things that I was facing. Um, and then I started sort of facilitating some of that with other people. So then I had like the health professional thing going on and I had some speaking work and I I had the opportunity to do different talks uh, and that led to a Ted talk and then started doing some of the facilitating thing and it all kind of happened bit by bit. Um, and, um, I didn't do anything dramatic in one day, you know, it was just like, what was the next thing that was interesting and exciting. And um, and so I finished college. Um, and at that point, I I had these kind of three things going on that, that were all interesting me in different ways, and I was trying to put it all together. And um, and so I went and spent some time working in clinical pharmacy as as a pharmacist that you would you would meet in practice, uh, I did some research for a while. I worked in innovation uh, with a healthcare company. I worked in external affairs with a healthcare company, and tried tried lots of different things, trying to find my way as as I think all of us do. Um, and then I decided, you know what, um, maybe I'd like to try something uh, on my own for a little while. And so I became self employed. And most of the work that I do now at the moment is, I would say, really around creating spaces for people to become more comfortable with themselves, um, to show up better for themselves and the people around them. And so you can call that uh, well-being, personal development, leadership development, um, and and it all kind of falls in under those areas. uh, so some interesting work, I'm I'm involved with the National Disability Authority as well on their um, panel, uh, on their board, and also with uh, a leadership development organization called Common Purpose. So lots of little things going on that make up what I do. Um, I do a day a week in the pharmacy to keep my hand in. And, uh, and so what I suppose has happened for me is that I haven't hung my hat on just one thing that i do full time which actually might be a lot easier <laughs> for me but um at the moment i'm i'm exploring lots of different things and and trying to get a taste of of what it is that lights me up the most
0: mm-hmm. and how hard You're do you pro- yeah
1: you, you asked me the hardest question first <laughs> for sure
0: i can it can only get easier from here on in i guess that's Easy. it it it's almost a bit like that accident because when you had it to start, nearly everything from then seemed easier. Because I presume when that first happened to you, it seemed like a big, massive wall in front of you. But and as I said, you kind of mentioned that it was like little things, step by step by step, that you kept doing. Is that how you find it, or do you still find that like it's kind of mentally in your head? If a child, like if we say that life changing accident was a ten out of ten, would you still have ten out of ten level uh, experiences in your life now, or do you feel that they're, like? when you have the perspective of what you've been through that it seem a bit easier.
1: Yeah, so just for context for people, um, when we allude to the accident that I had, when I was 20, I, I sustained a spinal cord injury. Um, I used to spend my summers working as a lifeguard and a windsurfing instructor. And uh, it was the summer of my first year in college. And uh, I went away with my friends after working down the west for the summer we went to portugal for a, a week and on the first day um i ran down the beach dove into the water and my head collided with sandbank and in that moment i broke my neck and and so life really changed dramatically for me in an instant because i went from this free independent young guy with the world at his feet that was uh, excited and figuring things out in the same way that everyone is in college and in their teenage years Uh, but someone that was kind of developing a pretty good sense of themselves. And, um, and I was quite clear about where I was going. And then the whole rug got pulled out from under me in every conceivable way. Um, So to give people perspective, like the following day I woke up in intensive care with my head in a metal cage uh, with tubes going in, in and out of everywhere. And I had a machine, a machine, a ventilator breathing for me. And, that's that was my new normal. That was my next starting point. And um, it was a pretty dramatic thing to have happen. And so um, in the weeks and months and years after that, as I went about starting to piece things back together, I gradually regained about 15% muscle function. So practically what that means is I've got the use of my shoulders my biceps and my wrists but i'm paralyzed from the armpits down um i have no finger function and uh, i get around the world using a wheelchair and and so the way that i interact with the world is quite different now and with all of that in mind uh that was a 10 out of 10 but before that i suppose the leaving cert was a 10 out of 10 and before that like times, maybe when I got a hard time in school and, you know, that was a 10 out of 10. And before that, you know, the time that you really want to make a team and you, you don't get picked, that's a 10 out of 10. And, and so like we get, I think, I think one of the big things to say to people is they would often look at my experience of what happened and say, I have nothing to complain about. You know, in comparison to that, or how could I compare it to that? And the reality is is like the ten out of ten that you faced, that's your reality. and and so um, and so you've come through that, and you're here, and there's massive resilience in that. um and, and every single person has a unique version of that in their own life. Uh, one of the things I would always point to is is you know everybody has their shit. It's just boxed in different ways. And what I mean by that is like going down the street, some of the challenges that I face are are obvious, some of them um, on the outside, but I don't know that the person across the road um, is really struggling with anxiety and barely got out the door that morning. I don't know that the person that just um, walked past me I uh, just broke up from a relationship. I don't know that someone else is struggling financially or with uh, coming to terms with their sexuality or whatever other challenges people might be grappling with at that time. And so everybody faces different challenges, but the one sure thing is, is that everybody has a 10 out of 10. Um, and so since then, I would say um, that all the experiences and challenges that I face are still they're, you take them for what they are. They're they're still relevant and hard. Um, when you're going through them, but you do have a little bit more perspective, where you might say, "Well, if I was able to manage myself through that previous challenge, I have what it takes to get through this one." Um, and oftentimes, resilience doesn't feel like what we think resilience should be when we're going through the shitstorm. You know
0: definitely yeah no for sure it's um your stories are absolutely remarkable and the fact that you've managed to turn such a like from the outside such a difficult event into a springboard for success is really remarkable but one question i kind of always had for people who have like we'll say a life changing or like a life not say defining moment but for that period of time it would have been is like how hard do you find that even someone like myself will generally bring it back up like so i presume you've had to relive that event I'm going to say a thousand times or is it hard to move on from that sort of thing or how do you deal with that yourself?
1: Yeah, and and that's so, like that's so perceptive of you um, and I'm delighted that you actually acknowledge that because look, oftentimes people will want to go there to set context. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: like myself, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just like, just like um, we did here. But like that's kind of, that's an important part of my life, but that's also Jack of like eight years ago now. Um, whereas like Jack of today is interested in, in a host of different things and is doing a host of different things um, and is, is in many ways the same, but in lots of ways a different person as well. And like, so we're all evolving all the time and we can get saddled with maybe uh, the external story or perception of one person but like that's a small part of who I am as well um, and yes the things that I've learned from that I carry with me to everything that I do now and it's undeniable that it shapes my day and my week every day um, like the reality is is that I can't just throw the legs over the bed and lace up my runners and run out the door as much as I would love to do that. Um, and so I face that every day. But it is a small part of 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 who I am as a whole. Um, so, yeah, it is it is challenging going back there. Um, and that's why I suppose in 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 recent times, I have maybe made conscious efforts to move away from that or to make and, and it's been my intention from the start. Is that particularly when I'm working with audiences and so on that um, the story is never about me. Actually, it's the things that I've learned that are transferable to us all. Um, And even when I say that phrase there a minute ago, everybody has their shit. It's just boxed in different ways. Like my my intention there is for every person to put themselves into into the story in their own mind of of their life and. Um and so on. So uh really astute question.
0: <laughs> no, for sure. And you did mention before that everyone has their own ten out of tens, as you said, and it's your story is, is more like you want to be able to take the lessons that you've learned and apply to yourself. And I can't help but notice the parallels between um I know Matt McConaughey brought a book, Their Green Lights, and he keep going on about how I think it's something he says something on the lines of uh, the more I went into to the I, the greater it became about the we. So it's kind of similar to yourself, to your own story there. But uh, one one thing I wanted to ask you about is you even touched on the fact that back when you're doing the Leaving Cert, that's a 10 out of 10 to you. How did you find the Leaving Cert or how did you find that kind of experience? Because you have a bit of a chance looking back now to see what it was like. And know was, what, 10 years ago at this stage now? Jeez.
1: Yeah, Jesus, thanks for bringing that up again. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is 10 years ago now. And, and you know, when you're doing with the Leaving Cert, it kind of feels like the defining moment of your life. You used that phrase a little while ago, you know, like it's a defining moment. And the reality is, is it's a stepping stone and it's a really good learning experience. And um, I think that the skills that you learn during it are more important than the end result. Um, and, and that's one big thing that I wish that um, I understood better back then But um, my experience of doing the Leaving Cert was, was I would say from my perspective was methodical um, in that I really committed to little and often um, and I worked kind of consistently. So I, I think if any of my friends from school were probably to talk about me during that year or fifth year or whatever as well, that I was probably quite diligent in that i would like be quite clear about setting out a plan for the week um i'm gonna make notes on that that and that um i'm gonna do a quick skim revision of of such and such a thing and i was just chipping away a little bit all the time and i ended up doing a pretty good leave insert and it wasn't because i was um like incredibly smart or anything um It was just because I had uh, sort of used the muscles that were required for the exam again and again and again. Um, And so so that was kind of my experience of it. Um, I will say, though, that it's certainly a marathon um, of of a year. And uh, um, and it's also probably the best year that you have in school.
0: and how did you find doing this um doing the leaving sort of self like the fifth and sixth year because you would have done it in in a boarding school in Congress. and how did you find that whole experience back then
1: yeah so i think it's an interesting time because for me anyway it was a time when i felt probably a lot more comfortable with myself uh in my own skin um which is like something that i think we're all going through during those years and and into adulthood as well I'd love to say you, you leave secondary school uh, and that that everything is grand, but uh, but like you continue to, to get to know yourself better and so on over time. Um, but I'd say during those two years, I definitely um, was more comfortable with myself and that was a big help to me because I felt more secure in my friendships then. Um, I felt more secure in the fact that, hey, I actually really need some of my own space and so, a couple of days a week going for a run by myself is, is like something that I need or, um, I, I realized that I really valued, uh, playing sports, but that I didn't actually want to play at the top level that I maybe wanted to play second level down and like learning and being okay with some of those decisions, um, uh, was, was important to me. Um, uh, other things over those two years, I would say, is that, um, I started to realize little by little that, uh, my time in secondary school, is is kind of running out, you know. And you go, it's funny, you go from like primary school into secondary school, and you go from being the big fish to being like the tiniest fish, um, all of a sudden, and and you you thought you were like, the bee's knees, uh, in in sixth class and then you go into first year and you realize how small you are and again and you're starting from scratch and as you move through the school into fifth and sixth year you start to get like almost take on a leadership role in the school and like walking down the corridor the younger years actually know who you are um Mm -hmm. and they notice those things and um and i i don't think you need to have like a title of being like like prefect or anything to, to have a leadership role, like, in, and you kind of realize that, oh, the way that I treat those younger years, they'll always remember that. And and that was something that was, that I started to notice. But I also noticed like that actually I've only got a little bit of time left in this environment and like, I really want to relish it um, and enjoy it. um And so, so yeah, they were some of the things that came up for me during that time. But um, certainly I worked really hard and uh, and I worked hard consistently. Um, And and that then for me was the thing that allowed me to really enjoy the time that I took off. If that makes sense, because it was like a nice work play balance when I like really committed to the work and I was doing it. Then I really enjoyed the time that I wasn't working as well.
0: Yeah, you had kind of peace of mind because you knew you had the work done in the back. But uh, if you had to look back now, because with all the experiences that you've had and all, even you said yourself, you kind of got into the resiliency mode of a uh, uh, practicing and personal development. That is there any techniques that you'd like like to have known back when you're seventeen or eighteen that you might have applied as well?
1: Um, I would have loved to have learned about like like well being principles and and stuff around mindset and sell self-talk actually to be like, I I think a funny thing happens when someone says like, I know that you talk to yourself, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like that. Actually I have that voice inside my head as well. And sometimes it's not always the nicest voice that like, it's not the most encouraging. And, and, and so I would have loved, um to have some of those skills taught to me um around that time around how to have more constructive self talk. Um um so that was one of the things um that I would have loved. Um I would have loved also to be taught uh how to meditate. Um and that's like meditate or do breath work or sort of those kind of things. I think mindful I was always quite mindful in school and we were given different opportunities for that. Um, in that, like every morning we had like the school would come together for uh, a thought for the day and, and a morning prayer. Um, And I think they were nice kind of reflective moments. And I remember a couple of times Um, uh, we had like fourth year, we had the Kairos retreat, which was just an amazing time to really sort of, Check in with ourselves and learn about ourselves, but then later on in fifth and sixth year, we had times when we could just go down. Um, there was a chapel in in the school, and you could just go down and they'd put relaxing music on and candles, and just sit there, and check in with yourself because you're going at a million miles an hour all the time, um, and those moments are really important. Um, so. I would have loved a little bit more of those kind of things in school and um, because I think they're really foundational. Yes. are some of the things I'd probably say to that.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, no, they're all good points. Definitely. And it seems like such simple things to implement. And in fairness, when I was finishing up in the school, they did start to bring in a lot more about meditation and mindfulness and that. But uh, to be honest, it kind of went over my head. I didn't really pay much attention to it, which in hindsight, is probably not a good idea, but um, that's kind of how it was. I meant to ask you though, why did you decide to go down the pharmacy route in Trinity, or even why did you decide to do Trinity?
1: Uh, I I didn't uh, is the simple answer. No. Um, <laughs> so um, I was I was like a headless chicken trying to decide what I wanted to put on my CAO, and um, I knew that I I really liked um, working with people and being around people, and I knew that I was interested in science and and health. Um, and so I actually put medicine down, and um, for my first six choices, um, because like that's the thing to do, and um, um, so that was the first six choices, and then I didn't really think about anything after that, and I had science down, and the only, so so I missed medicine, um, on this on the H pad at the time, and I found myself in trinity studying science and i realized a couple of weeks in i was like i don't know where i'm going with this um and it's missing a big piece of what i wanted which was people um and the only page of the prospectus that i hadn't considered like i looked at every course in every college and the only page that i hadn't considered was pharmacy um And the reason for that is because my dad's a pharmacist. Now, my dad is like one of my best mates. I get on really well with him um, and he'd be a big role model in my life. But I just didn't want to go down and do the same thing. Um, I was like, you have to carve your own path sort of a thing. And actually, about four weeks into college, I opened the prospectus and I read that page. I, I allowed myself to read it and I was like, oh yeah, people and science, yeah that that actually makes a lot of sense, um and so I applied for a transfer and luckily I had subjects and I had uh, the points that I needed at the time to get in and someone had had changed course or dropped out and so I was I was given a place and a funny thing happened actually, um I was living in in Trinity Hall's and there was one other guy in the apartment uh dave who happened to be doing pharmacy and uh, we were randomly allocated rooms and he was in the apartment and so one day i was chilling out with some of the others in the apartment and he came home and he's from monaghan and he was like well hi and we were all like well hey and uh and he goes uh he goes you never guess what happened today. Hey, um, they're looking for some lad called Jack Havana And, um, and I was like, that's gas, Dave. <laughs> um, that's hard to believe. And I hadn't told any of the lads that I deployed for a transfer. So I legged it into my room and I was like, did I miss an email or what? And so I called them and I got onto the head of the school and she was, um, she, she said to me, she was like, you got accepted two or three weeks ago like why haven't you been attending lectures and i was like I, I didn't know and she was like we sent me a we sent you a letter and i was like in fairness who reads letters these days <laughs> <things?" laughs> and so i ended up in in pharmacy the next day and uh that's how it happened
0: geez that was a close call and then it's a good thing your mate or your, your housemate has found that out as well that's class yeah. How did you find living in Trinity Halls because again you lived away from home in boarding school but it's completely different like you're within four walls you're not leaving anywhere how did you find actually being out in your own in Trinity
1: Yeah I think it's it's interesting because you go from like full time boarding school um and uh, and then out into the big bad world and I think like the two dramatic things that change um well probably three is one you're in control of when the lights go out so that can Uh, that's that's good fun um and uh certainly we let the hair down in first year in particular um uh (laughs) yeah that that was good fun and uh, the second thing is is you get introduced to a whole other gender that you probably didn't really know existed um in, in school and uh and so that was good fun as well and and um and a really interesting thing actually was that I realised how important it was to have friends that are girls and not just girlfriends, um, uh, and how important that is, like, uh, as a natural part of life, because we we were in an all boy school, um, but uh, the third thing was was I had to learn how to fend for myself, cooking as well. So, um, <laughs> but but it was great. I I have to say I loved, um, the sense of. I have more control now of of how I interact with the world if that makes sense. So like when you get to college you can you it's a chance for so many people to redefine who they are. Um maybe in secondary school they for whatever reason they didn't feel they could be who they who they were. Um and an interesting thing for me was that um, a lot of the guys that were in my year uh, went to UCD and I actually was one of a few that went um, to Trinity and and some went to Galway and so on as well and then different colleges. Um, and it was, it was a great opportunity for me because, look, I stayed great friends with the lads from school, but because I was in a whole new space, I got the opportunity to get to know people that had I been surrounded by all my friends from school that I never would got to know. Um, and so I developed some amazing friends in Trinity hall in particular and being in, in that like student centric environment with so much going on and so much to get involved with, uh, was brilliant. And, and the house that I was in, we, we, we happened to gel really well. And, and it just so happened that, uh, two of excuse me two of the guys in particular were really involved in in societies and campus life and so that got got the rest of us hooked into uh, organizing events and all that kind of stuff and then then things just snowballed from there
0: definitely yeah and uh you touched on the fact that you got a chance to make friends with like not even just girlfriends but friends with girls like when you went out on that, you had a chance to go to America, I think in 2016 and it was actually got filmed. Was it Breaking Boundaries I think it's called, was it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had a chance to go with a few of your mates. Were any of those people involved in that trip like back in the day in Trinity Halls in first year or were they a different crew altogether?
1: Yeah. So th- there was a really nice mix actually. So um, that trip, the fact that that documentary happened uh, came back to a promise that I made with a Dave in the apartment in first year in college. And we had two Daves in the apartment. So it's a different Dave to the earlier Dave. Um, <laughs> so, um, we had said to each other on the last night of college, we were walking home from a night out and we just, uh, made a promise to each other that before college finished, because we were going our own separate ways for the summer and so on. Um, but we said before college finished, That we would go traveling together and it would be a story we could tell our grandkids and this is us like coming home at like four in the morning wandering around dublin you know the the kind of talk that happens at that stage of the day and it was only a couple of years later that we actually remembered that after i'd had the injury and i had seen so many of my friends doing j1s and traveling and i really had been told look you'll never do anything without the assistance of two people for the rest of your life and um and I I was kind of just systematically challenging that and uh and I saw everyone traveling and it was it was a hard one to take and I just said to Dave like why wouldn't I be traveling and he said do you not remember that thing that we we said to each other at the end of first year and we just looked at each other and we said fuck it let's do it and um, so Dave was one of the people on that trip and um, another good friend from college, uh, lean, um, uh, and, and Fleur, uh, one of my best friends from school, Gordon, um, my sister was on the trip, uh, for some of it. And Gordon was there for some of it. And the rest of us was like a central crew that, that were there for the whole thing. Um, and so, um, I think it's interesting, like, as, as friend groups from home and college start to meet, merge with friend groups from school. And, and it's just really nice how that all starts to happen.
0: Definitely, yeah. No, I remember seeing that documentary. I think it came out in 2016 back then. So I can't remember fully now, but I think you had like some absolutely incredible experiences, I think, where you backstage at a YouTube concert and you met the likes of, I think Cameron Diaz and um, uh, was the other one as well. There, there's a few other celebrities you met.
1: Yeah. So we got up to all sorts on that trip. Um, so yeah, we, we had Cameron Diaz and Julia Roberts and, and Bono and the edge. And, and that was a pretty cool night, um, early in the trip that set the scene for things, but like we did all sorts of things from skydiving to whitewater rafting, things that you kind of don't expect, uh, to see, a, a quadriplegic doing. Um, <laughs> um, but like the reality was, is like, we weren't going by that definition. We were just a group of friends, a group of young people that wanted to go have a good time and, and kind of, we called it breaking boundaries because we wanted to kind of challenge the perceptions that people place on people. Um, and and that was really important to us. Uh, if anybody wants to see that documentary, you can just go to my website, just Google my name or go to uh, jack-cavenant.com and you can get it on my, my website.
0: Yeah, I meant to ask you about that because I was going to have a look at it again. But I could be it could be on my computer. But I think when you try to look at the 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 documentary, it came up something about JavaScript. But uh, I'll definitely try and figure that out and have a look at it again. But well,
1: that might uh, might be my my problem to figure out as well if, if yeah. you're having problems.
0: Ah, yeah, sure. Look, if we'll I get to the bottom of it. But, but like that, um, one of the things I took from that documentary is that like there's so much stuff that you take for granted but also assume you need like as you said you're quadriplegic like you assume that some of the things you're doing you'd have to be able but literally where there's a will there's a way and it was impressive that even some of the like uh ideas you had to get around some of the problems you did like it was ridiculously creative it's clear to see that's why you probably went into your own like setting up your own i don't know if you set up your own business but you went into kind of your own entrepreneur style like i'd say that um, having to think creatively because of like some of the challenges that you have that must have set you in good stead for setting up your own business or going along that route
1: yeah well certainly i think like some of the most important skills that we learn uh, or need through our lives are are creative thinking critical thinking and and being innovative in the way that we do things and um, yes there's a time for kind of um for policy and for for having a set way of doing things, um, but when we face challenges, you know, it's it's how am I going to go around, under, over, or or is there a way through? Um, and and even like I'm I'm recording this in in my home at the moment, and I'm looking around, and like everything has a subtle tweak on it. Um, what I mean by that is my microphone is on. A, sw- uh, a swing arm uh, that makes it easy for me to to um have it set up i've got um an electric bike and uh, a, a manual hand bike that allow me to get out and explore the world that i can see i've got my uh, light switches at a slightly lower height that, than maybe otherwise i'd have um, my sink in the bathroom um is is actually raised up a little bit and doesn't have have anything under it so that I can get in a bit closer. And like these are like simple tweaks that just allow me to use my space so much more effectively. But then when I extend out and look at the way that I that I do kind of everything in in life, from getting dressed in the morning to to driving um, or or getting out and exploring in nature, like we've kind of had to think a little bit outside the box for all of these things. And like you said, when there's a will, there's a way. When when you can get creative in the way that you approach these things, uh, really disguise the limit as to what as to what any person is capable of. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think it's clear because you're obviously your positive personality and the fact that you've kind of tailored that. Like you spoke earlier about how uh, you can everyone has their inner voice and depending on what you say, you can either be framing yourself negatively or positively, and that's clearly helped you a lot. But where I was going with that is that because you're such a positive and like creative person, people have been trying to help you out and giving you those kind of like supports. Uh, has there been any events that you've been at or that you've participated in that like, kind of blew your mind or was completely different?
1: Yeah, I've, I've been in a few. And, and so a couple of things I might say is that, um, I didn't do any of this alone. Um, so central to everything uh, that i've done are other people and i i i think that we we often feel we need to figure it all out on our own but um it's other people that that really make life and make life possible and um, so that's one thing to say um uh the second thing to say is uh yeah i am um i would say i'm an optimistic um realist um in that like i i look at uh, the reality of things. And I try to put an optimistic spin on it because for me, that, that allows me to deal with sort of the hard realities that sometimes we face, but it also allows me to say, well, how can I move forward in a constructive way? Um, and, and what balancing optimism and realism allows me to do is not shy away from the harder or more uncomfortable emotions or the tougher times because they come up. Um, and, And it's important to to own that. Um, So with that in mind, some of the events that really um, blew my mind, um, I got involved um, or got exposure to an organization called the SOAR Foundation. And SOAR run um, what I would call like transformative experiences for young people. Um, And they do it through workshops and you might say like how could a workshop be be that much of a a standout moment for you? Well, um I think it is recognizing our shared humanity. Um and you know, pointing to things that you said earlier, what is most individual is most universal. You know? Um what Matthew McConaughey was saying, he was he was essentially saying that. And I was like being involved in some of their workshops were some of the most powerful things because it made me feel much more human. So that was, that was really inspiring and very powerful experiences. Um, but other events that have like really, uh, blown me away is, um, the likes of, uh, the pendulum summit. Um, it's a, it's a business, um, on personal development summit, um, that, that I really like business leaders and and companies send employees to and so on, and it's usually in the convention center in Dublin. And they've got sort of big headline speakers and all this kind of stuff uh, that are at it. And that's brilliant. But what's also brilliant is just the people that you meet at these kind of environments. Like you touched on, they're they're open-minded, they're proactive, they're creative, they're they're innovators, and they're thinking about how can they show up better in the world and how can they show up better for the world? And when I mean for the world, I mean doing things like you're doing here, Connell, like this content that you're putting out, um, is doing something that's better for the world. You know, you're contributing and, um, and so finding like novel and innovative ways that, that people can do that. And, being in environments like that, I think is really uplifting because it tilts your mind towards what might be possible and it doesn't mean you have to do anything big. It's like, what if I shifted the way that I approach people? What if I shifted the way that I do this one small thing? Like that could allow me to show up a bit better and it could be better for people around me as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, thanks so many for the compliment. I'll, I'll try a little bit anyway. but. It's interesting because you're doing very similar yourself with your own podcast, the Only Human Podcast, and I myself have listened to a few episodes and some of them have been brilliant. Like, even the ones where it's just yourself talking, like, there, there's one recently I listened to about resilience and how there's, like, two or three different types of resilience. And it was interesting because you kind of brought it in a little bit into this conversation. So, I like, I find that your podcast yourself, you're also doing that a little bit as well.
1: Thanks very much, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that podcast was born out of uh when i was less in person with people during uh COVID, how could i still add add value and and that's something that was really important to me but like like that the thing that made it so enjoyable was not just that i got to connect with brilliant people as as guests and so on but actually that i was doing it with a good friend of mine from school who was producing it in the background and um and helping me with some of that, and so it was really nice to be, sort of collaborating with someone on on something like that.
0: Yeah, and that's one thing that's worth mentioning. In fairness, like the people you went to school with, like if you were you in Congress for six years, was it or did you come in? Yeah, so the the people you're there with for six years or forever, how long? Like they do stick together. And in fairness, the Congress past people's union is brilliant. Like um, there's there's some amount of events and all that kind of thing. Like that's how i first heard about yourself because they're mentioning i think it was 2013 you came in and had did a talk with the school and then even like 2014 i remember they they organized that holy ghost versus jesuit rugby game and if you look at the team sheets now it's basically like the leinster a team and some of the ireland team as well
1: (laughs) have you have you pulled up the team sheets
0: I was looking for it for ages. Like they're just not there. All there is is like an Irish Times talking about what Leinster players were at the game, not the future Leinster players playing in it. But you you can see you can see in like the had like a group team photo, and you just see like uh, Will Connors and James Ryan and Joey Carberry, Jeremy Lockton. Like you can keep keep, keep going on. Even Hugo Keenan in the background there as well. It's mad.
1: That's that that is mad. Um and and what was really amazing was seeing. Uh, a guy who is in the year ahead of me getting named on the Lions today, um, Tyg burn So um, congrats, Tyg, if you're if you're tuning in.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Even in that, I was surprised because I thought there was going to be someone in the game playing James Ryan, but he didn't get the nod currently. But that can all change in injuries, I guess. Sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, give it a bit of time.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. And is there any people, so you have your own podcast yourself. Is there anyone in person, like if you had to pick a dream guest, who would you want to have on?
1: That's that is a, a wonderful question. I had to pick one dream guest. Do you know who um is, is quite inspiring me at the moment is is Barack Obama. Um so I'm I'm reading his recent book. Um and what many people don't know is he's written about three or four books before he ever became president. Um and um I think he, he'd written three other books. Um, but I'm reading his biography of the lead up to, and his, his years, um, as president. And I think the thing that's so inspiring uh, and why I'd love to interview him is he had a desire, um, to really try to understand how the world works. Um, And the world is super complex, Um, but he kept coming back to this idea of, and I think everyone will know the line, yes, we can. Um, He kept coming back to that. He kept coming back to what makes us more similar than what makes us different. Um, And I think when you combine the fact that, uh, yes, we can with trying to unite people around our common commonality rather than our difference, like a huge amount can be achieved. And, and so just for those two attributes of his alone, um, coupled with the extent to which he really, um, taught long and hard about, um, the values that, that are important to him. Um, and, um, trying to bring those into the interactions that he had with every person. And and so I think he'd be an amazing guest and it's just because I see him um, as someone that was uh, striving to be a leader in the little ways in his life before he ever got a big stage. Um, so that, that's really cool. But you know what? Um, I think some of the most extraordinary people um, are the most ordinary people. And if if you were to put anybody on the other side of the microphone, uh, Connell, like if I was to turn the mic on you, um, I have no doubt that you have extraordinary life experiences and insights that are relevant to any, anybody in the world. and and so I think when we kind of hold any person with that kind of lens on them, anybody can be, um, Anybody can have just a huge amount to say and to contribute and to teach us, you know?
0: Definitely, yeah. No, I think uh, Barack and is uh, Bruce Springsteen have their own podcast going now. And uh, I, li- I listened to one episode there recently enough and he made like a really good point that I kind of, I never really articulated it myself where he's like, he was talking about Abraham Lincoln and how he like, he wanted to be able to enjoy his, I think it was his second inaugurational speech. Uh, but like, and cause Abraham Lincoln is one of the found- not founders of America, but one of their-, their leaders will say when they look back, but at the same time, he didn't feel that like a person of like an African American was the same level as a person who is Caucasian skin. But at the same time, Barack could see all the positive attributes in his character. And he, while he was able to acknowledge the fact that he wasn't perfect, he still wasn't, he didn't just put a label on him as he was like, he was, say, slightly racist, but he would also contributed so much. Whereas a lot of people now will just want to put one particular stereotype, not stereotype, one particular label on a person. And I found that, like, a really interesting insight as well because, like, if you had to go back to every single person, like you're saying, and have to just pick one attribute, you're not going to learn much from them. But as you are saying, the world is so complex that you have to be able to treat, like, people with that same level of complexity. So that was yeah, one little bit of said. Do
1: you know, I think, like, if you go back and um, you understand the context as to why someone thinks the way they do, um, you'd have a far less level of judgment on why they are or the way they are or why they do the things that they do. Um, and so I think like creating space for understanding is really important, but like something else that he talks to, and I know we're, we're using the Barack Obama example here, but it could be anybody. Um, but one of the things that he really talks to is like, he didn't just have to convince, um, the, the black and colored, uh, American population. Why, um, why it was time for change and why he was uh, the right person he actually had to uh, bring the the white population on side as well and to show them how like this isn't something for you to be afraid of and um, there's not going to be like retribution here um you know it's like how can we come together and reconcile and move forward towards uh uh what the promise of america uh, is and and he talks yeah. about like Abraham Lincoln as as like one of the founding fathers there and and like the promise of a United States of America and all this kind of stuff. Um, but like, I'm just bringing that example up because he's who I'm reading at the moment and is very inspiring, but uh, it could could be any number of people.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Now it's hard to pick a, an ideal guest because as you said yourself, everyone has got their own gems. And
1: I, know, I might actually just jump in there and, and say like, I, I kind of had an ideal guest on uh today um i interviewed him for the second time a guy called john doran um john is a a guidance counselor he's a, he's a teacher in a school in newbridge um john has been a teacher for for 27 years and he's a leader um in the way that he does things he is he is like a father and he's a teacher and he's a contributing member of society and he's taken the things that he's learned and now spreads them outside of just the school that he works in but to other teachers and and his books are gone global now and and he's very humble guy and all he ever did was do the next small thing um and that compounds over time and has taken him to a really um interesting place but one of the things that inspires me about john is um is that he actively every day and um, cultivates uh, and practices practicing putting putting his attention on the things that are good in his life and he he deliberately spends time challenging that inner critic that we all have and he um really listens to people and doesn't jump in and, and these kinds of things and you know any, any person could learn so much from those three things alone, if they knew nothing else about him. Um, and so look, there's people are inspiring in general and have so much to teach us.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you've kind of gone down that route as well yourself, like with, you had a Ted talk as well, a few years ago, and even yourself doing personal one-on-one training and with, uh, with businesses as well. What would be like the key message you try to implement to people or give to people?
1: Um, so one of the things that i wrote down a number of years ago when i was going through a tough time and i was writing in my journal and i was trying to figure out this whole life thing um and if anybody gets it uh, you might just send me a one-liner uh on on what the answer is but um i was trying to figure it out and, and i said um there is no right or wrong path just a series of events that either gives us a flavor of what it is that sets our heart alight light or dampens our soul. What I do know to be true is that in a world that is not always a smooth ride and a life that is more disillusioned, disconnected and full of people wearing masks than ever before, the bravest thing that any person can possibly do is to bring themselves fully to the world, that that is when the magic will happen. And, and so like what I'm really about is like trying to create places where people feel Less disillusioned, more connected to themselves and the people around them, and where they have permission to lower their masks. Now, I wrote that before COVID was a thing, but um, <laughs> and the masks were uh, mandatory. But um, but really, I just think um, uh, people have uh, so much um ability, um, so much innate uh, talents and strengths, and so much like resiliency that that they don't give themselves credit for, and maybe they don't see in themselves. And if you give a person an opportunity to see some of that, um, their whole world can change. Um, a really interesting number to think about is one in 400 trillion. Do you, do you know what that number represents?
0: I, I could be wrong in saying this now, but is it like the chance that you were born or something like that? Is it?
1: Yeah, exactly right. Um, so one in 400 trillion is the chance of you being born. Like just thinking about that alone is nuts. And then thinking about the fact that, okay, there's nobody else in the world that has had the experience that you've had, that has the parents that you've had, that was born, Uh, at the time and in the place um that that you were born nobody else has had the same day as you today nobody else had the same sleep nobody else had the same interactions that you've had nobody else was um exposed in the exact same way to any myriad of things that could have happened in your life um nobody else is the same uh fingerprint or or way of being in the world the same sense of humor or lack of a humor like all of the things that make us up you know um and we spend so much of our time comparing ourselves to other people what if we spent more time trying to impress ourselves (laughs) I, i think that'd be pretty pretty great way to be um so i spend a little bit of time checking in with myself on that because i get caught comparing myself to others i go get caught wishing I was somewhere else other than where I am. I get caught um, feeling disillusioned and disconnected. And I do so much of the work that, that I do because I need it as much as anyone else.
0: Definitely, yeah. No, something you touched on at the very start, like if that was, if you managed to write that line down, it sounds like something, an actual poet would write, I can't remember the words off the top of my head, but the first line you said you are trying to write down when you are trying to analyze the meaning of life. and. It's very funny because when I was listening to you explain that, I, was, I, I read a book recently enough. It's called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Natalia an Brandon. And his, his synopsis was literally just uh, the, like a bit similar to what you're saying about not comparing yourself to other people. But like uh, the way people have to say self-esteem or self-respect is just having like efficacy in the fact that they'll be able to go about their day and they'll be able to improve. And that's pretty much precisely what you're saying. So I wasn't sure if you'd read that book or you'd read something similar to that you got it. It's
1: on my shelf, but I actually, I've only skim read it. I haven't finished it yet.
0: Ah, yeah, well, you know, you clearly don't need to. You got the Cliff Notes version of it and you have it correct. And when you're doing these talks with these companies, would they like, what key got what key takeaways would they normally, would they normally get from you? Or is there anything in particular you'd push? Because you have said that everyone's everyone's path is different and everyone has their own uh, particular, particular problems or particular set of circumstances. At the same time, though, you said the more you go into the eye, the more it becomes about the week. Well, that's what I said. But he says something along those lines. Uh, what sort of things would you be trying to give to them, like maybe a framework or a, a methodology for approaching that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so that that's really interesting. Um, so one of the things that I do is when I go in, if I'm if I'm working with a company, is I'll always tailor to the audience, um, and so. It's really about understanding like what their needs and wants and what, what, what a good outcome for them in the context of what they're trying to achieve is. And so that's the first thing. Um, so generally with a talk you have like specific things that you're trying to hit, um, that could be, um, to do with like, for example, well-being or personal, leadership, or it could be to do with resilience, or it could be to do with uh, looking at diversity and inclusion. And so there's some of the things that, that might come up in a talk. In a workshop, um, I, I think it can be a much more valuable space for, for people in terms of having takeaways um, because you get to turn the lens on, on them. In a really well-delivered talk, it's not about the speaker, it's all about them. But particularly in a workshop, um, you get the opportunity to to make it real for them in their own lives, for the participants in their own lives. And so for example, I do like a um a workshop around um energy management for performance. And like what that's all about is helping people understand the things that really help them recover well, the things that really make them excited in life. Um the things that put them into flow and um, what are the mechanisms that they can use when like shit hits the fan and they're stressed um and and how do they uh, adapt and and manage and are those coping mechanisms are they constructive or destructive because if they're destructive they lead to burnout if they're constructive they lead to performance and um, what are the things that you do that put you back into recovery mode so that you've got energy for the most important things in your life. And so I'm not going in telling them exactly what they need. I'm going in and asking them the right questions and giving them a framework to drop it into. And uh what that allows is like, yes, we're all more similar than we are different, but each person will go about these things in slightly different ways. And and I'm not here to tell you how to do it. I'm here to give you Give you the space to figure figure this out for yourself. Does that make mm-hmm.
0: sense? Yeah, no, definitely for sure. And is there any particular thing that after these events that like a common um that you get back like oh I never saw uh, this problem from this perspective? versus there anything in particular people would say to you?
1: Um, I I always find um sharing this feedback like really awkward, and it's something that um I've had to become more comfortable with, but um um people generally use the word inspiring and um that was a really hard thing for me actually for a while because initially it was like inspiring about kind of the way that i was going about life after my injury and like the lads in school would be like jack you could literally like sneeze and someone would be like oh that was so inspiring um, <laughs> um, look at him, he can sneeze now, like, um, isn't, isn't that great. Um, and, and that really bothered me. Um, and, and I was like, come on, I'm, I'm just, that I have just as many flaws as everybody else. And, and I am by no means perfect. Um, but what I see, um, and the experience that I've had over time as I've sort of adapted and changed the way that I deliver and, and. Um, kind of the environments that we create is the reason it's inspiring. If you think about the word inspire, it means to breathe in, um, and and I talk about um th- this word. It's like the thing that lights a fire inside of you or gives you oxygen to to rekindle the fire, maybe when it might otherwise go out. Um, and when people are inspired, it it they can be inspired by. Uh, what they see in themselves or what they see in other people um, by reconnecting with some of the things that are most important to them in their lives by seeing things in a totally different way than they have before um, by, you know, if you if you learn something that that shifts your perspective and you have a new way of seeing uh, a relationship or the world or your, your work life um, or, or yourself, these kind of things, um, like they give you, it's almost like oxygen, that helps you keep going and so for me um uh, that that word is generally feedback um that i get um which is very humbling um but uh, it's taken me a little while to get comfortable with it as well
0: yeah no i can i can imagine because of course the lads that you'd be friends with would love to like rip the piss out of you so they would oh, all they kind of do that and,
1: and right and rightly so
0: <laughs> exactly yeah you wouldn't want to get your a big head or anything but uh, no, it's, it's very true for sure because even during, like I've had a few different people on this podcast at this stage now and even during this listen to your story and I'd already have known it, it is inspiring and it's impressive the way that you've managed to just not mentally move on because you, you're still using that kind of fire, but it, it is really an inspirational story. So I do think it's a it's a great way to wrap it up.
1: <laughs> well, um, Connell, I just want to say um, thank you so much. Um, you're an incredible interviewer, first of all um you're an absolute gent i know we were chatting beforehand and i really love um the contribution that you're making um to the lives of young people through this so um yeah all the best with it and uh, and it's an exciting thing to be to be a little part of in, in getting to be involved in this so thank you
0: thanks Will and jack appreciate it That's the end of another episode. I hope you've taken something away from this and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, good luck.